30,000 feet. So here we are, First and Second Chronicles. <clears throat> As First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel, now First and Second Chronicles, originally they were one book. <clears throat> Chronicles <clears throat> was written about 450 years before Jesus Christ, just to, to put things in perspective. I know it's hard because we've been thinking about Samuel and kings, and we're thinking that's a long ways from Christ. But if you remember, <clears throat> Chronicles now is about 450 years before Christ, and Chronicles... <clears throat> covers a lot of the same material that First and Second Kings does, but it gives the history of God's unfolding redemption from Adam to the Babylonian captivity, and so it goes all the way from creation down to Israel being taken into captivity. But this is where it's a little different. It's from a priestly perspective. It is written after the Jews had been taken captive. Seventy years they were in captivity. Now they're brought back. But Jerusalem is nothing like it was before. The glory of Solomon's temple is is just a distant memory. They uh, were brought back, but the city was in ruins. They had no protection and no wall. We'll be reading a little bit about Nehemiah coming and rebuilding the wall. <clears throat> they had no temple. Um, they were very small group of people, weak, very inf- uninfluential, very vulnerable, very just... Plain people. There was nothing like the glory of Solomon's days. There, it was just a, a shell of that. <clears throat> and yet now Ezra, who most people believe God used to record the Chronicles, Ezra comes back and he writes this to them. They're in this condition. They're back in Jerusalem, but not all that encouraged. And he really wrote this to encourage them. And if you've been in First Chronicles, you'd say, talk about a total failure to encourage them. The first nine chapters are genealogies. My grandfather lived with us when I was in high school. And in the latter part of his years, he just gave his time to reading the Bible. And... You'd look at his Bible, and he'd put a he'd put a mark every time he read a chapter, and most of the chapters had numerous marks there. But you'd get to Chronicles, and the first nine chapters there was one mark he'd read it once, and that was enough for him. All right, <clears throat> and so you might think <clears throat> he wrote to encourage them, and and you look at those genealogies. And to us, it's not an encouragement. But to these people, it was an encouragement. These genealogies were important to prove to them what tribe they were from, that they were the chosen people. 
It was also written to encourage them. You had to prove your genealogy to even buy land or own land here. So this was for them to to read down the list. I don't know if you've ever been involved in anything where um, a team and they put out who makes the team and they post it outside the door. And when the news gets out that it's posted, that list of just names, genealogies, is pretty important to the people whose name is either on it or is left off. And to these people, it was very, very important to them. But even more importantly, it is to prove the line of David that leads to the Messiah. So, <clears throat> the Messiah, there, there were people that would come and say they were the Messiah, but the proof is it had to be of the line of David. So, <clears throat> those genealogies were very, very important. And yet then, Ezra goes in, <clears throat> and he reminds the children of Israel of the great works of God. You will, you will read about David, and it's not that, that Ezra was leaving things out because it was known in history, David's failures. You, there will be many things that you don't read about in Chronicles, but it wasn't that he was denying it. His purpose for writing was to encourage them, to build their faith, to, to establish them that we still serve a great God. We may be weak right now. We may um, not see the glory, but we still serve a great God. So in, in chapter 17, he reminds them of the Davidic covenant that God said to David, there would be one of your family that would rule forever. Now, that wasn't Solomon because he didn't rule forever. And we've seen all the other kings, they didn't rule forever. A direct indication, a direct prophecy of Jesus Christ. But in verse, in chapter 16, David the account is brought back of David bringing back the Ark of the Covenant. We're not going to review all of that, but a very, very important event in Israel's history. <clears throat> it's interesting. We didn't plan it this way, but in First Chronicles 15, it talks about them bringing back the Ark of the Covenant and they had instruments and trumpets and cymbals and harps. And there was singing and loud rejoicing. I thought, wow, this fits right in perfect here today, all right? And, and David celebrated and Israel celebrated the ark because that was the presence of God with them. And in First Chronicles 16... It says, so they brought back the ark, and on that day, David delivered to Asaph a psalm or a song. And, and you're reading along Chronicles, 
and you wade through the genealogies and some history, and then it's like, wow, I'm reading the book of Psalms. And really you are. Notice First Chronicles 16 and verse 8. <clears throat> oh, give, this is, <clears throat> this is, well, back up to verse 7. It will tell you what it is. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. And here's his song. I'm not going to sing it. I don't know if it's ever been put to music that we know of, but we'll read a part of it here. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgment of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance when you were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. The psalm goes on. But I want us to see today, I believe there are exhortations to worship in this psalm. And, and when we think of worship, many times we limit it to a gathering as in a, a church setting. But we are to worship the Lord continually. Whatever we do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord. Our life is to be a testimony of worship to God. But I really believe that we live in times with many similarities to the people that Ezra was writing to. We live in a nation that's not anything like it used to be. I mean, the glory of our land... Um, the, the mighty hand of God that has been evident on our land throughout its history is incredible. And it is easy for us to become discouraged and, and to think, you know, the, the cause of Christ and, and what is going on and you see evil coming in like a flood. And yet, we need to be reminded, as Ezra reminded them in chapter 17, of Messiah's coming, the, the covenant that God has with David and the coming of the Messiah. But before he reminded them of Messiah, he gave them some exhortations for worship. And I believe we would benefit greatly from them. Notice verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Number one, give thanks. There are many times that 
it is easy to give thanks when when we receive something unexpectedly, a blessing, um, the goodness of God. But there also come times where it is not so easy to give thanks when things didn't go as expected. And that's about every day, right, in many of our lives. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, giving thanks always for all things, for this is the will of God for you. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, in everything give thanks, again, for this is the will of God. As followers of Christ, we should be known as thankful people. And David is rejoicing. God is with us, and God is with us. We are the temple. It's not an ark that we go to to be reminded of it. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us, and regardless what happens around us, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We always, as followers of Christ, have much to give thanks for. But how little we do that. And the same, the same human nature is always the same. The same exhortation that David had to give them. They, they were back and, and yet, He was reminding them, give thanks to the Lord. So number one, give thanks to the Lord. Then immediately he follows it up and he says, call upon his name. That's just prayer. I don't mean just prayer. I mean, we don't need to go into some great long dissertation about it. He says, I want you to give thanks And I want you to call upon the name of the Lord. Remember last week we said God spoke to the children of Israel when all these kings were failing and falling and turning away from God. And God raised up prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And Jeremiah 33.3, Jeremiah came to, to Israel and he said, this is what God says to you. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. This was an invitation of God to the children of Israel when as a nation they were in rebellion, and he's calling out to them. And God is still calling out to us today to pray. In Proverbs he says, the prayer of the upright is his delight. I mean, think about it. What can I do to bring delight to God's name? You may say, I can't ring those bells like that or play those instruments. You can pray. And it says God delights in prayer. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. And David is saying to the children of Israel, this is what true worship is. True worship is giving thanks, and true worship is going before God in prayer. It's fellowship with God. 
Philippians 4, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. There they are, prayer and thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds. When you look at your prayer life, does it look like an emergency flare that you just shoot up every once in a while? Is it something that you enjoy fellowship with God? Is it a big part of your life? So he says, give thanks, call upon his name, and then notice. I mean, it's just like rapid fire. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make known his deeds In other words, God has done some great things, and he's writing to the children of Israel, and, oh, man, we're just small in number, and and remember the good old days, the glory of Solomon's temple, remember all those things. And, And he said, their faith is small, but I want you to be reminded of the works of God. Make known his works. And how do we do that? One, Verse 9, sing to him, sing psalms to him. So, music is a very important part. And being reminded of the works of God, sing to him. Then he says in verse 9, talk of all his wondrous works. The things that God has done in your life. You might say, what has God done in my life? I don't have any. If you are a born-again child of God, God has done amazing things in your life. There's nothing that can be more amazing than that. I mean, giving you a a new pickup truck or a new home or a great job does not compare to the salvation of God. Talk of all His mighty works. See, The reason God leaves us here is to make known his works. Then he goes on and he says in verse 10, Glory in his name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. We make known his works by singing, by talking, and by rejoicing. There should be no one that is more joyful than a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, we should be rejoicing because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Can hard winners? No. Can circumstances going the wrong way? No. Can anything separate us? We should have joy. So, The exhortation for worship, give thanks, make prayer a vital part of your life, call upon his name, make known his works. I mean, we're left here to, wow, look at the mighty work of God. In springtime, they're just everywhere, the mighty works of God. I mean, isn't it incredible, these, I don't know what, crocuses and daffodils, I don't know my flowers very well, all right? But, I mean, this harsh winter, and here they come, sticking their nice green. And it's like, wow, all the dirt and the grime, the rain washes it away. 
but the mighty works of God in our own life. Make known his deeds. Then notice what he says, verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Another prophet that God raised up to speak to the children of Israel during these times was the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah said in Isaiah 44.3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Seeking the Lord. Having a hunger and thirst for God. That is genuine worship. Stop and think about the things that that your mind goes to. What is it that it goes to? Your hobbies, your work, your family. What? It, how much is it seeking the Lord? Proverbs 2, we've mentioned it many times over. But turn there again. Proverbs 2, and I want to I just show you again how important it is in seeking the Lord. And he spells it out, ways that we can seek the Lord. My son, if you will receive my words. This is all involved in seeking the Lord. If you neglect the word of God, you are not seeking the Lord. It begins with receiving his words. And if you treasure my commandments within you, you make them a priority so that you incline your ear unto wisdom. You bend your ear toward that which is from God's perspective. Wow, here's something I can listen to that teaches me about God, that helps me know his nature and his character. You, you incline your ear to wisdom. You apply your heart to understanding. You make personal application. You don't just read the Bible, then set it down and go your way. You say, okay, how does this apply to me? How does this character of God affect my faith? How does it apply to me? Then it says, yea, if you cry out for discernment. God, help me to know your ways. God, help me to discern right and wrong. God, help me to know you. That was the heart cry of Paul, that I may know him. And that's what he's saying in in Chronicles, seeking the Lord. If If you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures. If you know anything about about searching for silver and gold, the history of our nation, the gold rush days, it wasn't like they just rode on a horse out there and came onto a mother load of, of gold mine and whoa! They were digging and digging and digging and, and sifting and it's digging and digging and digging in the Word of God. Most of us, to the Word of God, come to it and search for it like a boy, young boy, a four-year-old boy searches for his lost shoe in his bedroom. 
you know, walks in, not in there, can't find it, Mom, knowing Mom will come to the rescue and will walk in and pick up a shirt and it's under there and there it is. God has great, great treasures in his word for our lives, but he doesn't just sprinkle gold nuggets on the surface. He said, if you will seek me, you will find me. And and God really wants to prove in our hearts that we want him. And David said, if you will seek the Lord... If you were to say today, looking at your thoughts, looking at the use of your time, the use of your money, what would you say you really have been seeking? David said, for genuine worship, you must seek the Lord. And then notice back in Second Chronicles 16, or First Chronicles 16, Notice then, he says in verse 15, Remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. And so he's reminding them, remember what God promised you. He's reminding the children of Israel, God promised you that you are his his chosen people. From Abraham to Jacob down to David And he's reminding them, this is what God promised. When's the last time you went back and said, God, this is what you promised? We're not able to claim the Davidic covenant, but we are able to claim the promises of God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're able to claim the promise, and we know... That God is able to make all things work together for good. God, this that came into my life, from my perspective, is not good. I don't see how anything good can come out of this, but I'm remembering your promise. You said you would make all things, even this, work together for good. So, God, I am remembering your promise And we sing standing on the promises. And God, I am going to stand on this promise. And by faith, I thank you that someday I will see the good that you are able to bring out of this. That's the reality of faith in real life, remembering the promises of God. It's when you come to the end of the line and and you feel you can go on no more and you say, God, you said that your grace would be sufficient for me and I need your grace. I am remembering your covenant. I am remembering your promise to me. And God, I can't go on. I can't do this. Unless you empower me, unless you give me wisdom, unless you give me grace. God, I need you. God loves when we stand on his promises. He delights in that. When we come and say, God, I'm a, I'm a lost sheep. I, I'm in desperate need of your shepherding. 
God, you promised that you would be my shepherd. Many times we're not willing to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need his shepherding. It's remembering his covenant when maybe in the darkness of life you don't see God and and you don't know where he's at and you think, but God promised that he would never leave me nor forsake me. And it's depending on God. It's remembering his covenant. God, this is a promise that you have made. So these exhortations for worship, David is celebrating and and he's saying, let's worship God. And it wasn't just stand around and, and be happy. It was, let's give thanks to God. I mean, this song is full of doctrine that we just went over. Give thanks to God. Call upon his name. Make known his works. Seek the Lord and remember his promises. Perhaps you're here today and all of these were exhortations to worship to those people that God was with. Perhaps you have never been brought back to fellowship with God. You've never come to a point where you acknowledge that I need God's forgiveness. My sin has separated me from God, and I need God's forgiveness. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. And you've never come to the point where you humbled yourself and said, God, I I cannot save myself. Nothing else can forgive my sins. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ died, rose again, to pay the penalty for my sin, and I call unto you for the gift of salvation. These other things that we mentioned today are meaningless until you've done that. Then once we have trusted Christ, and his covenant is, him that calleth to me, I will in no wise turn away. You may say, you don't know what I've done, and he doesn't want me. God says he... He died for the ungodly. That's us. And once we call upon him, he brings us back to fellowship with God. And then we can give thanks. Then we are a priest of God. We have access to God to go to him in prayer continually. And then we see the works of God and we can make known his works. And our life mission is... Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to show forth your mighty works in my marriage, in my family, in my church, in my community. I want people to know how great you are. And we stand in the promises of God to do that. That is genuine worship. That is worship that delights the heart of God. That is worship that every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ should make our goal and our aim. And that's something every one of us can do. Heavenly Father, 
I pray today that your spirit would minister the truths of this passage in every one of our hearts. Lord, I would pray if there is one individual here today that has never been restored to fellowship with you, Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. That before they leave, that they would mention that to someone here and and we could rejoice with them, that we could help them if they have questions with that. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers. You know, Lord, as the songwriter said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We're all prone to distractions. But, Lord, would you cause us today, by the conviction of your Spirit, to be brought back, to be reminded of your mighty works, to stand in your promises, Lord, Some indeed are going through some dark times right now. And I pray that the promises of you would be as a a laser light into their life to give direction and courage and strength. Lord, I pray that every one of us would have a renewed zeal to seek you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And that we would call upon you, that we would be people of prayer, people of fellowship with you, so that we could show forth the mighty works of you. Lord, you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I pray that we would be encouraged and empowered by the working of your Spirit. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you'd say, as a believer, God has challenged me in my worship of him. And I'd wish you would remember me in prayer that I would take the right steps of obedience. Would you just slip up your hand that we could remember you in prayer? Amen. Amen. To take the right steps of obedience, what he's leading me to do. Perhaps you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I am not sure that I am a child of God. And I wish you would remember me in prayer. Would you just slip up your hand that we could remember you in prayer? I am not sure I am a child of God. Lord, we do pray for these today that you have challenged. Would you... Give them great joy in their fellowship with you. And Lord, I pray that they would know your grace empowering them. And that as they seek your face and as they call unto you, Lord, that they would be brought, each and every one of us, to an even greater, more intimate relationship with you so we could more effectively show forth the mighty works of you. Lord, thank you for this great morning. We ask your blessing on the remainder of this time, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.